This week on Beyond Stillness, Stories After Stroke, we have a guest host, Damian Cohen, and a host guest, me, Molly Bucola. I'm finally offering what listeners have requested, my story. So, this week on Beyond Stillness, Stories After Stroke, I share a bit of my story on how my stroke halted my senior year of college and forced me to reorient. I share a range of thoughts, emotions, and motions that guided my journey. My story is entitled, Range of Motion. Join us for my episode of Beyond Stillness, Stories After Stroke. Welcome to Beyond Stillness. Stroke offers a powerful, life-changing shift in perspective. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings, a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. This radio show, Beyond Stillness, offers an hour of pause for storytelling and reflection. Ultimately, Beyond Stillness is a welcoming environment that reveres the moment beyond strokes paralysis. Still moments unite humanity and divinity. Today's host is my friend of 17 years, Damian Cohen. So this week on Beyond Stillness, Stories After Stroke, she shares a bit of her story and how her stroke halted senior year of college and forced her to reorient. She shares a range of thoughts, emotions, and motions that guided her journey through recovery. The story is entitled, Range of Motion. Thank you for joining us for part one, Molly Bucola's story. Before we begin today, we call to mind the range of motions that we've gone through throughout our recovery process. Where we began right after the stroke and what we've recovered since. We call to mind the range of emotions, maybe our frustrations, our impatience, our joy, our connections. And we give thanks knowing that this is an opportunity for persistence, for overcoming challenge, for connection. May we use are moments of stillness as moments of growth. A reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We are all by one Holy Spirit. And so we are formed into one body. 
It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Suppose the foot says, I am not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying it, this, it cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I am not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. If all the parts were there the same, if all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. The parts that we think are less important, we treat with special honor. The private parts aren't shown, but they are treated with special care. The parts that can be shown don't need special care, but God has put together all the parts of the body, and he has given more honor to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them take care of one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part shares its joy. Did you sprain your ankle? My professor asked as I hobbled to the door with my cane. Uh, no, I had a stroke. Molly Bucola, he grasped. It was the first time I attended class, even though we were months into the quarter. Molly, I am so sorry. I take that comment back. I take it as a compliment. A lot of work goes into making this look like a sprain. Last he heard, a priest visited me to administer anointing of the sick. Last rites. In their eyes, I was on my deathbed. It took eight days in a medical trial to emerge from my coma. There were lots of feelings when I set foot back on campus that day. Amongst the pain of the paralyzed body was the pain of leaving my friends and college life in the middle of what I perceived as the climax. My 21-year-old self thought I had truly missed out. There was lots of fun to be had, and I was suddenly at my sister's house, sharing a bed with my mom. The last semester of senior year in college screeched to a halt the day I slept in until 4 p.m. My roommate woke me wondering why I hadn't gone for a 6 a.m. run or an 8 a.m. class. 
I spewed sentences composed of jumbled words and staggered to the restroom. Annie, my roommate, arranged my ride to the hospital. From the moment I woke out of the coma, I so yearned to reconnect with my friends and walk on my own and go through the motions that people my age did. Suddenly, every single moment required intense focus, yet there was movement. And with movement comes hope. I could see progress. I could feel progress, but it didn't begin that way. When I first began recovery, it was like beginning a New Year's resolution. It's fun, it's exciting, it's hopeful and full of purpose. Then January 2nd hits. Okay. I quickly grew sick and tired of watching my limbs lay limp on the bed. My brain shouted orders for their movement. I watched, I waited, and witnessed again and again. No motion, no motion, just a whole lot of emotion. How could this be? A month before my stroke, I ran a marathon. Now, I can't even move my left side. I can't balance on my own or drink without drooling. And all I dreamt about was the next time I could go to the bathroom without assistance. I felt betrayed, not by people, but by life itself. This type of thing doesn't happy, happen, <laughs> this type of thing doesn't happen to a happy, healthy 21 year old who has everything going for her. My biggest heavy was the phrase, to whom much is given, much will be required. Hey God, remember, I'm the one to whom much has been given. Ugh. Move, my brain would shout. Move, move, Ugh, move, again and again and again, all day long. After a half hour or so, my mom or my sister would re request another try. Move your fill in the blank all day long. I'd try, try, again, and nothing. It all felt worthless. And then sometimes there would be a twitch, a little spark of hope. Then I'd go at it unrelentingly. My right torso would work so hard to move my left pinky that my abs would wear out. Irritated aggravated. I'm not sure which scream first, my body, my mind, or my spirit. I'm sick and tired of this. My mom didn't leave me alone much in my waking hours. Even in my sleeping hours, I felt the pushing and pulling. My whole bed jolted with my mom's new habit. She would lift my leg, maneuver my hip, and push the knee to bend, all while lifting my monstrous limb from the bed, up into the air, then back down, 
in the same sequence again. Repeat, repeat. Five times, switch legs, then to the ankle, wrist, arms, fingers, rest. A few hours later, she'd come back for more range of motion exercises. My 120-pound mother would have kicked butt at any CrossFit competition. Every ounce of dead weight was motivation for her to repeat. She and my dad had been caregivers for my uncle with ALS throughout his seven-year battle. Surely, this too was a motivator. My 21-year-old brain couldn't comprehend the eternal drive that produced pearls of sweat and oceans of tears from my family. In shifts, as a team, they fought for my range of motion. At times, I silently worried. When all was quiet in the house and everyone was sleeping, I'd lie there awake. My paralyzed body set my mind in motion. It was frightening, really. Was I going to rely on others the rest of my life? What a burden. Why did they have to sacrifice for me to mull about my day in subpar manner? I felt guilty. I wanted them to go about their lives, their business. But then I didn't. I wanted them there next to me. What's the difference between wants and needs? Man, I'm a needy person. <laughs> or am I a wanty person? And the thoughts would spin and they'd spiral. It's like all the motion from the athletic left side was transferred to my brain. And it was active. In my waking hours, my goals had gradually progressed. First, I was able to wiggle my leg, then lift for seconds while my mom forced range of motion. Then I moved my leg. Then I shifted it to plop off the bed to rest on the ground. In time, I could stand on my leg. I could balance on my own. Walk with assistance to the bathroom. Walk with a walker to the bathroom. Walk with a walker down the driveway. Walk with a walker to the lemon tree. Substitute the walker for a cane. Finally, after months of recovery, I made it. With assistance from my whole team, friends, family, mom, sister, that day, I walked into class with a cane and was greeted by my professor. Over time, I've settled into my biggest heavy. The phrase, to whom much is given, much will be required. I mean, I've been given life twice. There's a reason for that. I'm determined to find and live my purpose. Step by step, day by day, I yearn to walk a purposeful path. So today, 18 years later, I'm sharing this story with you as a way to walk through your own journey with stroke. 
You may see yourself as a caregiver in this story, the one whose life shifted drastically with the blink of an eye, the one who quickly developed new habits for therapy or became an emotional pillar. Or maybe you see yourself as the stroke survivor in this story, one whose new normal was set with the blink of an eye, one whose emotional state withered or recovered with your physical body. Maybe your mind continues to run the marathon. So today is a day to stop and to remember where you've been and remember your purpose to keep going. Well, Molly, thank you so much for your time. Uh, your story is uh, hopeful and inspirational and cheerful. And uh, I'm so grateful that I was able to hear it. So, uh, and I'm sure others feel likewise. So thank you so much. Mm, Damien, thank you for stepping up to host this week. It's, it's, I love that, that you agreed to do this because you're someone that knows me so well. Um, and you always have excellent questions for, for all of your friends, especially me. So thank you. Thank you. So at this time, let us take a moment. Let us take a moment to remember where you've been, how far you've come, to remember your team, maybe family, friends, caregivers, therapists, neighbors, coworkers. And to remember your purpose. What parts of your personality, what experiences are gifts to other people? In what ways do you offer yourself as a way to support and encourage others. In this moment, this moment of pause, we give thanks. Thank you for devoting time and space to listen to part one, Molly Bucola's story. Stick with us for part two, Molly Bucola's interview. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings, a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. In this episode of Beyond Stillness, Molly Bucola offered her story entitled Range of Motion. She shared about her determination, optimism, and reliance on those around her to rebuild one step at a time. She encourages others to find their strength and purpose through recovery. If you enjoyed this moment of pause for storytelling and reflection, please like, share, or subscribe to the Beyond Stillness Stories After Stroke podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, as part of the stroke community, you are more than supportive. You are inspirational. If you are part of the stroke community and have a story you'd like to share on the show, please contact us, email 
M-O-L-L-Y at beyondstillness.org.